What up, man? Sit down. And I'm Ray Ray all day. Oh, man, I'm digging that cowboy hat, Mike. Like what up man and welcome to the battle i'm your host pictures to my wife and kids like he's doing something great you know like look i'm feeding this little deer and he yeah it's like i had to explain to my daughter like i said on one of other podcasts about yeah he's feeding them right fatten them up so somebody can shoot them he is quite the perfectionist for humanitarian though he is he is i ray is the real deal when it comes to humanitarian that's that's no joke i'd like to come over and help you with your studio yeah you mind if i rebuild it yeah (laughs) because you're inadequate yeah, I'm excruciatingly in that. Yeah, yeah. I'll be inside, Ray, if you need hey, me. Hey, you did a great job putting these boards up. You mind if I take them down and redo them right? That's not even a joke. You yeah. don't. You don't even have enough primer on there. Yeah. Just make Prime sure it up. Got a nice coat. <laughs> well, as we said, we know that Ray's not going to be here this week, but we do have a special guest, a good friend of mine, aka a brother of mine, Joe Burke, also known as Jobo Cop. Mm. And uh, AKA for me, I call him little brother. Yeah, man. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Dude, it's so good to be here on the Battle Podcast. <laughs> here we go. Brought boy. to you in part by no. John Duro. Oh, one man, one myth, yeah. one legend. No, sorry, I just like the sound of my own <laughs> That's voice. The full money, Johnny. Dude, I'm telling you, these these microphones in this studio make me sound so good. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the show with technology. Well, you look right? good too. Oh, don't well, lie to him. You know, don't lie on the podcast. No, that, 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 he's yeah. kind of got his hair slicked. He back. did. He's, my, my, his, he's got product in my there. barber know knows how to polish a turd. He's kind of looking like. What is that? You. you he yeah. looks like Shemp with a beard from the studio. Shemp with a beard. Is what yeah, oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, Dapper Dan. You just for a minute, that thing or what? What are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm Dapper. Well, you know, my barber's a really good barber. He knows how to polish a turd. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, yeah. when when I go you in. You know when you break that thing open, it's just a bunch a of crap. Yeah, that's, right. that's all it is. <laughs> that's all it is, dude. That and a couple of bats and some cobwebs. There you go, bro. Hey. Well, you a Dapper Dan man. What kind of product you got? I don't uh, use pop. What are you talking about? That looks Jeez. like Vaseline. Come on, that Vaseline? Yeah, yeah. all the way. Why I oughta. Hey, but you know, the reason why he sounds so good is Joe has his own podcast. She's a little shameless plug here. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. I do a a geek podcast on geek culture. And basically, we we take the world of movies, comics, pop culture, and science fiction. And we just jam it all into one podcast called PopXCast. And uh, so, yeah, I do PopXCast.com. That's P-O-P-X-C-A-S-T.com. And uh, shameless plug. We just talk about a lot of nerdy things, but we are a a Christian founded podcast where, you know, we don't get into a lot of the, uh, the darker crap. Like we, us. We, yeah. You're in the wrong podcast. No, 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 now, no, 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 you're no, in no. The battle uh, tonight, You know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. though? I mean, there's oh, yeah. some movies I won't watch. Oh yeah. I get then there's some movies I will watch. I get it. You know, there's, there's boundaries and, and lines. But I will say that if there's one thing that Joe Burke knows, it is comics. So if you want to listen to something <laughs> and, and get educated real quick, Check him out on his podcast, man, because he's a real deal. He he knows everything there is to know about comic books. You got to tune in just to see the man cave. Oh, yeah. 
is unbelievable. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The man cave is pretty amazing. Could it you actually, just do a special episode like a Zoom or something? Just uh, take us around the room. I, his, I, his man cave is so special to him. He's only got one chair in it. He's not even willing to share with anybody. Else. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want anybody else in there either. You know, it's, I just, that's why hey, it's called the man cave. It's right? my inner sanctum, man. Yeah, but you know, it, it's kind of funny you're talking about the man cave. It was actually featured in Lake and Sumter magazine. Yeah, this I month. Wow. I didn't that. know that. Yeah, yeah dude. That they they did an article on me here in Lake County. Which As they should. Cool. Wow. Oh, yeah. But no. uh, it's not yeah. giving a big head. I'll never but get out of the studio. We're not here <laughs> to talk about the man cave yeah. or Pop X Cast. Well, you also. Because you're a man of many talents. You also just got through writing a new book. This is very true. Yeah. I uh, Pandemic has actually been very good for me in terms of a lot of bucket list projects I wanted to complete myself. And so in kind of doing, I wanted to write this thing like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I tried diligently to write this thing. And I got like half of the first chapter done. And it's just like there was a blockade up. It's like, nope. And I'm like, what in the world, man? I, I, there, there's so much in my life I wanted to share. Too but busy, there, brother. You were too busy. No, I hadn't reached a certain pinnacle in 2014, which you know about. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't caught, crossed that threshold to be able to write about it, right. which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. But um, it's almost as if I've been praying to write this book and God's tapped me on the shoulder around the 1st of April, 2020. He's like, so I stopped the whole world. Yeah, write your book. Are you going to do write. that one thing that you've been wanting to do? Because you, I, I kind of need it out there right now. And I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. I get it loud and clear. So you got Mikey's two by four upside the head. Oh yeah, dude. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Well, Joe's I, thick. He's got to get hit a couple of times. Just well, so it, it, well, yeah. There's many layers. Well, yeah, one. My, there's one layers of thickness. Yeah. Uh-huh. But long story short, like concrete, and, and we'll get back to it. I. Simply, I, I wrote this whole thing in less than six weeks. 80,000 wow. words. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, you've never done. been lost for words, Joe. This is also true. <laughs> it's kind of like when you this take is... a laxative and you finally, you know. I mean, Dude, let me tell you, don't do that with Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, don't that, do that would not be good. I have experienced all. Chipotle. No. Well, you know, it's amazing, you know, listening to us talk here tonight a little bit about some of the things that you're involved in and some of your, you know. You got your book, you got your podcast, and that's just the tip of the iceberg with you because you, you're a busy dude. You do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're also involved in doing art. I mean, you just, it just, you graphic design. I mean, you, you, you've, photography, photography. I mean, you just do it all. Audio. A matter of fact, <laughs> uh, for those of you listening tonight, uh, Joe Burke is actually the one that created the logo for the Battle Podcast and GSR Studios. GSR Podcast Productions. Yeah. Right there. He actually is the creator of those logos. So we greatly appreciate that. Uh, Joe actually got involved and helped us out with our new business card that's out. So uh, we'll be uh, posting some of them on the webpage. You know, I was just about to compliment whoever your graphic artist is. Did a pretty decent job. I mean, for for what we paid him, it was pretty good. Yeah. How'd you do the QR code? What was it? Nothing. I think it was free, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that. It's nice. But I want to go back to your book real quick because- Right now, you're in a really good place, mm-hmm. but there was a time in your life when you weren't in a very good place, and your story is so powerful, and that's really why I, what I want to talk to you about tonight on the podcast, because I think it's important, because when we talk to men, men come from in all different shapes and sizes, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different situations, socially, but in your situation especially, it was a health thing for you, uh, and- and your, your story is just so remarkable and inspiring that I, I wanted to share that with our listeners because uh, 
you know, at a very young age, well, actually, when you were born, you were born with hemophilia, correct? Yeah, hemophilia, which is, you know, just a quick synopsis of that. It's a blood clotting disorder. And basically, it means that your blood doesn't clot as fast and efficiently as someone with normal clotting factor. Doesn't mean I'm going to bleed like a water hose, but essentially what it kind of means is I have to hold pressure longer to get the clot to stop. And so to treat hemophilia, I have to inject these factor products. And essentially it's called factor eight. Uh, And so I inject that into my, used to inject that intravenously in my vein. And, you know, you're looking at my arms right now. I've got the scars, man. But um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, Hemophilia is not a disease I would wish upon anyone uh, because it's definitely the long-term repercussions of living with a disease that deforms your joints. Uh, it, the chronic pain now as I'm getting close to 41 years old this November, uh, you know, the older I get, the more the more pain that I'm having. Well, and you actually too, in your book, you, you, you uh, I believe you equated it to like making a cake, making a cake, right? Yeah, yeah. Which was a pretty good analogy for yeah. those you want me, in the layman's terms. You want me lay, lay, layman's terms that for you right Yeah, because there's a lot of, so, lot of people, that, there's a lot of people dumb I, like and me. And this is a God thing you because, you know, God gave, I was like, God, how am I going to be able to paint this picture? So a reader who has no idea about blood, blood clotting pathogens and coagulation, how are they going to be able to understand this? And God just, let's just talk about a cake. And I'm like, oh, okay. So imagine that you're in your kitchen and you're whisking up this, this batter to make a cake. All right. And you get everything ready and you'll line the, the, the cake pan with the, with the grease and the oil and the flour and you put your batter in there and you set the timer, you put it in the oven and you come back a few minutes later and you find that the cake has not elevated. It's not rose and, and it crumbles and it just falls apart. And then you look down on the countertop and you realize, Oh crap, there's two eggs on the countertop. You didn't mix in the most important ingredient in a cake batter, the eggs. Now, what does that mean with hemophilia? Basically, what that means is the eggs is the coagulation ingredient that binds the entire mixture together. The same can be said for factor eight. In the human body, we have 12 factors that come together to form a clot or a scab on a wound. Factor eight is the eggs that bind it all together. And without the eggs, the clot disperses and it takes a long time for someone like myself who is a bleeder to resolve whatever a cut or something like that. Right. Well, that, that's, that's a great way to, uh, to put it for people to better understand it. Yeah. You know, all those other, but that's yeah, a God for thing. Idiots like me, I, you know, I can head, understand you know? that. But it's a God thing because we all are in the kitchen every day to some extent and right. we're doing something and, and, and which I, makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. so, I mean, so you were born with hemophilia. Right. Um, and I know you, you you grew up in a modest family. It wasn't like your family had a, a lot of money. You weren't no, living. No, my dad's a coal miner. Uh, he, he He's actually retiring November the 30th on my birthday wow. this year. 44 years in the coal, in, well, in the mine industry. Yeah, wow. Uh, so. That Kentucky? Uh, he's here in Winter Haven now. Oh, okay. But he's from Kentucky. Uh, but he's from Kentucky. Kentucky. So he, he transferred from coal in Appalachia, coal mines, mm-hmm. uh, to metal, non-metal division of his job here, in, which is salt, quarry mines, and stuff like that. Gotcha. So and all this time we thought Kentucky was only good for bluegrass and fried chicken. Oh, man. Moonshine. I don't know about moonshine, that. Moonshine, yeah. Moonshine, bro. I don't know Kentucky about the fried, fried chicken. chicken. Come on now. Come on. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I like a Kentucky fried. Good old Mountain Dew. <laughs> so 
you grew up in a modest family. And yeah. was, you know, so you, you Dad's grew up a preacher. in hemophilia. Your dad's yeah. a preacher. I mean, and uh, not only did you have uh, hemophilia growing up, you also, uh, was it hepatitis as well? Oh, that's, that's a really crazy transition. So let's, let's, let's turn the clock back to 1982. And so at this point, I am a, a two and a half year old kid, essentially. And to treat hemophilia, you have to inject into the vein this factor product, which allows your body to be able to clot normally as it should. All right. So that factor product actually creates a little bit of a conundrum because at the time in 81, 82, it was created from human blood donors directly from the derivative of a donor. And this is before, this is before screening and stuff like that. So the factor products created this really crazy uh, type situation where skid row locations of inner city blood banks and federal prisons were bloodletting some of the prisoners. You didn't know that. Wow. The FDA actually approved this. And that blood was collected and distributed directly to the pharmaceutical companies from the federal prison systems. And skid row locations, you get all that combined, you're going to get some pretty crazy stuff in the blood. Yeah, I knew that because uh, Arby used to get the plasma yeah, exactly. treatments all the time. So. You know, getting getting back on the on the course on the horse here of of what I'm trying to say is that created this massive hemophilia holocaust that was literally a time bomb waiting to explode, and it did. And what happened is by 1983, the very factor products that I was my mother was injecting into my veins was riddled with HIV and hepatitis C oh, from those human blood donor derivatives because the 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 blood was not screened. It was not uh, sterilized properly. And there is sterilization techniques that they could have done back in the day, but they did not because they wanted to cut costs. Simple, yeah. you know. And so um, basically my mother, unknowing to her, God bless her, injected me. Well, with, yeah, I mean, she wouldn't. Well, no, 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 I know that. But I'm just saying, you know, it was just one of those situations you can't wrap your head around it. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, the gravity and the weight of that moment. And uh, so I got HIV at age two, roughly three, as best as can be determined. And um, by the mid 80s, I got hepatitis C as well. So basically you got the trifecta. I got hemophilia, HIV, hepatitis C. And by so by age three, I'm full blown. And, and not full blown with AIDS, but I, I have all three of these complications and I have two viruses competing not only for my immune system, but one for my liver, one for my immune system. And so it was just, dude, it was, it was bad. And if you, if you are educated in your history books, you'll recall a couple of names that were synonymous in mainstream media at the time. One was Ryan White and the other one was Ricky Ray. Ryan White from Kokomo, Indiana, was actually banned from school in Kokomo because his classmates and peers and teachers didn't want AIDS. Right. It's like, we don't want AIDS in our school. And the poor kid and his family uh, had to move and relocate to another town in Indiana. It it gets even worse. The the AIDS hysteria, because whenever the media heard the term hemophiliac in the 80s, they automatically uh, assumed that was corresponding with AIDS and HIV. All right, so Ricky Ray, let's get back to the other name that I mentioned. Ricky Ray was from Arcadia, Florida. I'm friends with his mom on Facebook. And, and so- He's friends with him on Facebook. 
Well, the, the crazy, <laughs> friendly guy. here's the dark part of this. And this is where it gets really sinister. People in the town found out about the Ray boys and there was three brothers, all three hemophiliacs, all three had HIV. Their house was burned down. Oh, that's that. I heard about oh, yeah. that. Their house was burned down yeah. in Arcadia, Florida. This We're talking maybe 87, yeah. 88. And my mom and dad, dude, I mean, they had to go on lockdown with me. I yeah. mean, and, and, and. Well, that's what I want to get to because. That's, that's why I was building up yeah, to that. Because, I mean, you, at a, you obviously didn't live, live the typical childhood like no. most kids. Because, number one, obviously being a hemophiliac, uh, you, you all, you know, you know, hepatitis C, you've got HIV. And, I, and we'll talk a little bit more about the HIV part of it because I think that's powerful. And I want to save that till, till a little bit further. But so I, you spent a lot of time in the house, right? You didn't, you didn't really yeah. spend a lot of time outside running around with other kids and out of fear of, of falling down or getting hurt or blood clotting and not yeah. blood, blood, but bleeding. Now, I had helicopter parents. And I, I, let me say this now as a 40, going on 41 year old man, I'm very thankful that I had helicopter parents. Because very easily I could have done something or slipped down a creek bed and cut my leg open or done something that would have really been traumatic. Right. And yes, I was the kid inside. I, I was reading comics and playing Nintendo and watching Saturday morning cartoons and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and all this stuff. And I so I dove into that world. And that's why pop culture and comics are so ingrained in me. Because when you walk into my room, it's not a room of... It's not a room of 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 just splattered randomness. That's your life. It is literally a time capsule of right. who it's I am. It's a portrait of your life. Bro. It is everything I am. And, and you know, God bless my wife, Alex, uh, because she's like, you know what? You you this is your space, and you create it the way that you want it to be. And she she helped me so much in in getting that room organized and helping me pull things out of storage that I even forgot about that I had in my collection. Well, let's keep it real, bro. You got a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like you got one or two items. I mean, uh, if you're well, curious, he, he blessed me with a bunch yeah, of them, man. I got my blue if these, man stuff. If he's giving Hasbro a run for their well, money. Let me just tell you, well, Amatel, but you know, if you're <laughs> curious about the man cave, I know we're going off Mattel. on topic. Go to at Comic Man Cave on Instagram. That's it, it has its own Instagram page. It's got so much stuff to it. Oh, your room does at Comic Man Cave. Yeah, it's I the only. Know that. It, but anyway, so I grew up that that kind of kid, and 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 I didn't have a lot of friends in school. But you actually, you told me that you actually went through a stage where you were bullied a lot. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's a huge part of my book is I wanted to write about some of those experiences that I've kind of locked away. Yeah. And it, it was not very fun to talk about those moments. And you and, would think that, you know, why would somebody, you know, obviously if you have a physical ailment or you haven't, you know, you're sick, why you, would people want to pick on do you want, you want me to but, briefly uh, share something sure. from, from that? I mean, I don't want to take away from it, but it, it, it's very relevant and it will paint a picture for you about what I had to go through. There was this particular bully and I talk about this in my book and he made a habit of flicking my skin on my arm. He would flick my skin to see how hard he could hit to see if I would bruise by the end of the day. And so, you know, in essence, he kind of became a Bob Ross, wanted to paint the portrait to see what he was able to do on my arm. And every pretty day. little trees. Well, little bruises. Yeah, they weren't and I, I started getting these bruises all over my forearm and on my shoulder. And my mom started seeing it and she got kind of worried. Well, this same guy one day, I went, the, the classes had changed. And at this time, I'm maybe 14, a, a freshman in high school, just got out of eighth grade. And I go to my locker and I'm getting my other books for my other class. And, 
And he comes up behind me and I didn't know it. And he, and he kicks the books out of my hand. He just takes his hand and just whacks them down the hallway. So my books go flying, my papers and my backpack and everything. And, you know, I'm just, I'm sitting there trying to go through the motions. I'm just trying, trying to get everything picked up. And I go and pick up everything and he bends over and he kicks me in the butt and my face goes face first into the concrete. Wow. And um, I have a real tough guy. I have a scar uh, to this day right here on my forehead between my eyes. Mm. And don't get me going, bro, because I'm going to have to look him up on uh, Facebook. Here we go. But here's the thing, though. I I share that 30 second, 60 second moment because I want you guys to understand if you've ever been in a season of your life, you might not be the tough guy. You might be the one that was been bullied. Right. I want you guys to know that even though you go through that pain, there is promise in the pain. There is hope in that pain. And there's, there is definitely a great, when you, when you go through it, it just molds you into somebody that I know that God is, if it wasn't for being bullied, I wouldn't be the man I am today because I have a greater understanding and sense of, of life and purpose and joy. And I have a wife. Oh, yeah. I have an amazing life. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade anything I have now. For anything, you know, I would, I, I, gosh, I'm so blessed. And yeah, I want to ask you too, Joe, I know we talk a lot about the external bruises and I wanted to ask you some about the internal bruises because I didn't know if you maybe some of the personal stuff, do you share in your book about some of the issues you went through with family members and people that were close to you and, mm. and how they, I don't know, um, well, you, whether it was rejection or, or, yeah. or not knowing how to care for you. And there, I know there was a lot of internal things that you went through with There with was, family. there was a lot of internal things. And uh, that's definitely a big rabbit hole if, if, yeah. if we wanted to go down it. Um, but. Uh, well, do you touch on it in your book? I touch on it in my book and I, I can give you a, I can give you a quick one minute synopsis of, okay. of, of, of one instance. Um Around the time when, uh, this is probably a couple of years after the bullying incident, I started getting an interest in dating and I wanted to talk to girls and I wanted to date and relate because, Hey, you're a 16 year old kid and you know, hormones are raging and you just wanted to, to do what everybody sure. else was doing. Absolutely. And I was, I would call girls on the, after school and try to talk to them and just try. And a particular family member uh, told me and caught wind of, of my conversations and my interest and was told me essentially, Joe, I, honey, if I wouldn't date or try to date because if any girl knew what you had, they wouldn't want to be with you anyway. Mm, wow. Well, yeah, that's what, that was one of the areas of going. It's funny how you went into that, Fritz, because that's one of the things on my notes here I want to talk about because it's the voices that we hear, you know, mm. and, and, and unfortunately, sometimes it's the voices that of the people we love the most that plant seeds inside of us. And they're not necessarily doing it in a way to be malicious or to be condescending or to be cruel, but they're trying to protect us. And yet they plant this seed like, you know, you're never going to get married or you're never going to find anyone yep. or you're never going to. I know you and I spoke about this before, Joe, like live on your own or have your own life. And so I know that that was that was crucial. But one of the things you mentioned, you know. You talked about the fact that you had HIV, but I think the most interesting thing about that story is uh, you didn't find out that you had HIV though till you were what? Um, till I was eighteen years old. Wow! So I essentially lived from the age of two to three to eighteen, 
living with a virus and as they call it in the medical industry, co-infected because you had hep C and HIV, which means two viral components at one time. They, they call that co-infection. So for you at this moment in your life, now you know you've hit the trifecta. Oh, dude, let me- let, You didn't even know it until this well, point. Well, you know, you, ima- just, just imagine if you will for a second. It, it, it close your eyes out there, readers, it, it, listeners, and just kind of listen to this for a second. Imagine you're an 18-year-old man. You just graduated high school at the end of May. For me, it was 1998. And on a routine doctor visit in July, just two months later, the doctor excuses your parents in the examination room and it's one-on-one. And who you think this doctor is is your hematologist for hemophilia turns out to be your infectious disease doctor. Didn't know that. He asked me a question. And that question literally changed the course of my life. He said, Joe, what is the worst virus that you can think of? Me being completely blindsided to the fact, I was like, hey, uh, the flu? He's like, no, think a little more worse. Think something that you've heard in the media. And I'm like, AIDS? He's like, yeah. He said, you have the virus that causes AIDS, HIV. And I'm 18 years old hearing this. Hmm. But wait, Joe, there's one other element too that we have to add and factor in to your, to your case is you also have hepatitis C and you've had it for quite some time. So we have to watch your liver. All right. So I'm 18 years old, getting ready to go to college as a freshman. Dude, I, I tell you, my world was literally shaken. Oh, Everything that I thought I was, every fiber of who I, perceive myself to be the future that I thought I was going to pursue. Dude, I'm telling you those two months, that's when I went dark. Yeah. I was going to say Joe went dark. You went dark. And so, and I know that some of the things that you would share with me, uh, you found yourself uh, delving into porn and, and yeah. And sex with girls. And, yeah. Uh, alcohol. Yeah. And you were even smoked too, weren't you? Oh yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you did ever did any drugs or anything like that, but I didn't do, I, I mean, I didn't do, uh, a lot of hardcore stuff, honestly. I mean, I, I was, I was a pretty clean kid growing up. I mean, I, I was but very, right now you're at this moment, you're pretty pissed off. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene in Rambo when they asked Sylvester Stallone, you know, why'd you do it? He said, all I wanted was something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it was, it was, it was bad, dude. And, and, and I can't even begin to comprehend I, 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 there's, there's a couple of years of my college, the, the freshman and sophomore years. I don't really remember because I was just stewing in this raging. I would imagine. Oh, just dude, raging. you know, I wore, I think I told you this, John, I wore white contacts to class to freak out my professors Yeah, you went goth. because I went goth. I was wow. wearing black. I, I, I mean, I was, dude, I have pictures of me with those contacts in and I was just, I thought, I look like a freaking vampire or something, pale, pasty. I, I was so dark. I mean, it, you want to talk about, I mean, just imagine, you know, you, you have the cusp of the world at your fingertips and then you're told this bit of information. And then literally in a second of time, everything that you thought was a reality, it's almost like the red pill, the blue pill in the matrix is turned upside down on its side. And you're look, set the, setting there looking at your life and you're like, what in the heck? 
It's like it's a lie if you feel like every it's a lie. I feel I felt animosity yep. toward my parents. I oh, felt sure. I mean, but I understand they did what they had to oh, do. Oh yeah, now absolutely. But you go back to Ricky Ray and Ryan Ryan White, the, the names I told you before. If that would have gotten out in my little hometown in Kentucky, that oh Joe's a hemophiliac and he's got HIV AIDS. Ooh. Nope. I would have been all over the Phil Donahue show. I would have been on Oprah, just like Ricky Ray and Ryan White were. Now, if you Google those two names right now on YouTube, you will find clips of them literally plastered all over Main Street Media from the from 84 to 89. So how long were you in this dark place for? Uh, I would say probably up until about 24. So between 18 and 24, I was just kind of Check, so when did you, out. I know that one of the things you, you transitioned into, you, you told me as you got older and I don't know exactly what age it was, but you started getting involved with this, uh, with this group in, 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 uh, how old were you when you started messing with them? Blue man. Group? Well, I think blue man group started around 2001 and literally kind of was a catalyst for me to Man, I, so you're talking, we're talking, what, 19 years ago? 20. 20 years yeah. ago? Actually, it was 2000. Now I'm thinking about it. February 2000. So this is not too long after you'd pulled yourself out of that dark place. Right. And so I want to say that Blue Man Group was definitely a conduit and a catalyst for me rediscovering who I was. And the founders of the company, Chris, Matt, and Phil, uh, the three original bald and blue guys. If you don't know who Blue Man Group is, just go to blueman.com and and just prepare to, you know, but I, I had the pleasure of working with the company for four years and running their entire fan community for close to 15 years. And so... Um, but the greatest thing that ever happened in that situation... I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, say is... Well, here's the thing, you know, I let me back up for a second. Blue Man Group gave me a way to escape my mental hell that I was in. Um, for a two hour show, I was able to sit there and enjoy something and totally the pain that I was in, the knee swelling up. Okay. All of that. So, uh, it was just really awesome that they were able to give me that. And so Blue Man Group, I owe so much because I was able to go to cities I've never been to, fly to places I've never Which seen. Which was huge for you because that's a sense of independence because you Ex come from Exactly. Having helicopter parents and being overprotective and you're not going to live on your own. You're not right. going to do this. And, and you, you kind of just, you went balls to the wall and said, screw it. I'm just going for it. Right. And so Blue Man Group ultimately delivered to me uh, in 2008. So we're up to 08 now. And then at a at an event that I was planning here in Orlando, Blue Man Group just opened a show at Universal City Walk in 2007. And I was planning an event with the company in 2008. Here comes a woman that I've never met before. And it's, it's, I began a prayer in 1998. All right. This was the same one month after I found out about my HIV status. I began a prayer, praying it to God. I didn't pray it every day, but I began to pray it throughout the course of the next 10 years. God, there, this was a prayer. There has to be someone out there that loves me for me, despite my disability, despite my afflictions, despite my pain that can understand me and love me for me. There has to be someone on earth that you have created that can get me and understand me and help care for me when I get older. And I dag on it to 10 years to, to that day, 98 to 08, July to July. 
Alexandra Irick at the time was joined in on that meet that I was doing in Orlando at Blue Man Group. And the moment I I went to hug her, I'm a hugger. I don't care who you are. I'll hug you. Oh yeah. Tell me about it. And the moment I went to hug her, God told me, this is the one you're going to marry and it's going to go quick. And when God told me that, I was like, no, there's no way. Three months later, I had a ring on her finger. One year later, we were married. We got married on 10, 10, 10. And the biggest kick oh, Wow, well, she's a nurse. She's a registered nurse. I mean, <laughs> not I mean, only does she get it, but she can actually- Talk about the trifecta, right? Dude, I'm telling you. You went from one, you went from a trifecta of misery, despair, and, and just shock and awe and pain and suffering to the trifecta of joy and bliss yeah. and hope. Yeah. Redemption, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just one excerpt I want to share with you right quick, and then I'll, I'll let you let you take back over the reins. But, you know, I had a mere, there was a moment though, a dark period there going back there. So I was planning on ending my life. And I've never talked about this to anybody. So Battle Podcast is the first place I'm unveiling this to you guys. Hey, we're honored. But listen, there was a moment I realized I was on HIV medication, 38 pills a day for HIV meds. And I was like, what if I just stop the meds and just let the disease take its course and let me die and just be done with it? It's almost like putting the loaded gun to your head, but you're in control of your own fate Mm -hmm. because the moment you stop those pills, AIDS will progress and then you will go and your immune system is gone and you will die. That that's inevitable. And I was contemplating that, but man, I tell you, God, reached down and just in that moment showed me something I never seen before. And that's hope that even through my own struggle, my own trial, I have to hold on because there's so much more waiting for me. And my gosh, wasn't his Mm. promises true to that? Well, I mean, true. I mean, let's just get, let's just put it quite bluntly. I mean, it was a miracle. It just kept on giving. It was like the Christmas gift kept on giving because 2014, what happened? I got cured of hepatitis C. Bang, right? Uh, you got, you, you're, as far as your hemophilia, you're on a different kind of medication for that as well. I'm right? on an injectable drug called Hemlibra and I no longer have to go in the vein. It's just a little stick in, in my arm or my belly once a week. And wow. And you're think, actually, you're actually going to the gym now. I, I mean, have a gym out. membership. So yeah. I'm there yesterday. Yeah. yeah I mean, busting it too, yeah, man. You would have never been able to do that before. No. I mean, so these, I mean, this, this stuff is just, it's, and I've, I've been blessed to be a part of seeing this happen in front of me. It's like, wow. You know, you look at a situation where you were so, you had all the cards stacked against you and you could have very easily just tapped out, said, I quit, but you didn't. You kept pushing. You kept pushing because you believed that there was something better and something greater. And yeah, you talk about your parents and, 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 you know, you can get upset about them not saying anything, but it was, I think we all know, listen to this, they were just trying to protect you because they love you. And, yeah. and I know how much you love your parents. That's what our guest Josh said last week. You know, he just kept pushing through yeah. all the junk, man. He kept pushing. I mean, now you're, you're writing books. You've got your own podcast. You're a graphic designer. I mean, you, you, I know you dabble in music. You dabble, you dabble in art. I mean, photography and the list goes on and on and on. You're married. You have your own home. And two and then, amazing chihuahuas. And, and, oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> Those chihuahuas. You know, a lot of these, these traits that I picked up are all self-taught. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, the only thing I had formal training on was a little bit of visual design in college and a little bit of English. 
the disease that is, this is where the crazy thing is, it's the disease and the situation you put in puts you in a place where you could develop all these skills. Yeah. And, and at the time you didn't even probably didn't even think about it. No, right? you were didn't. doing, no. and, 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 and God is now taking all that and using that in just many different ways. I mean, yep. Joe's a very talented person, very proud of him. I'm very, to say blessed. the least. But, and, and, you know, I just think it's so inspiring that you just keep on pushing, dude. And, and, and I really believe the, the best is yet to come. I feel I really that do. too. I feel that on the horizon, God has got some pretty awesome things in store. And man, I'm just so, I'm so thankful that I did push through. I pushed through the pain to find true happiness. Well, not only that, a lot of the people you mentioned, they're not here anymore, but you are. That's mm, a so good point, Johnny. You know, they're not here, but you are. And guess what? You're not just here existing. Can I share this? You're thriving. Can I share a statistic with you? Sure. I think I've shared this with you before, but of the 10,000 hemophiliacs who were infected with HIV, hepatitis C in the 80s, can you guess of the 10,000, how many are alive today? No. How many? Thousand. 1.8%. Ooh, wow. I was going to guess low, but I was going to say low. 100, but I was, yeah, I was you're 100. about 125. So wow. Determine. Wow. There's wow. not many of us wow. left. And so I'm the 1.8%. Yes, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're part of that, brother. I'm the 1.8%, baby. And I, you know, you're my 1.8 percenter, baby. <laughs> and I'm, and you know, I just want to say thank you for coming out and oh, sharing man. your story Mr. with us. Tonight. 1.8 percenter. Yes. It's, it's just inspiring. And I wanted you to come on because I wanted you to, to speak hope into people and, and let them know that. You know, we had it last week with Josh too. You know, sometimes we think we're in the most dire of situations mm. and life has got a hold of us and things just don't seem like they're ever going to work out. But you know what? If you keep on pushing, you keep on moving, you stay focused, you never know what's going to come out on the other side, you know? And I just, I just want to tell you from, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us tonight. I love you, brother. Just so Thanks. proud of you. Uh, the book thing is awesome. And that again, before we close tonight, it's, it's, Another shameless plug for your book is bloody incredible. Bloody incredible. And it's uh, supposed to be, it's in second, second stage editorial should be out 2021 first quarter. Wow. So I'm looking around. You so know. check it out. Yep. Check it out when it comes to 2021, baby, come on. That's so it. listen, man, I just want to say tonight that I'm extremely inspired. I hope you're inspired too. I hope you're inspired to look, take a good, long, hard look at yourself in the mirror and realize that maybe some of the problems you think you have ain't as bad as you think, you know, thought they were. Maybe you're not in as, difficult of a situation as you try to make yourself believe, you know, no matter what's going on in our lives, you know, the reality of it is there are other people out there that are going through a lot more worse. Now that doesn't make it any easier, the situation you're in because it, you're in it. But what I do hope is that listening to this tonight, and also if you listen to the last podcast we had last week with Josh is, Hey, there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to keep on moving, keep on stepping and just keep on getting up, staying up and manning up. Because at the end of the day, my friends, <laughs> well, that's where the rubber meets the road. 